Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is the power of partnership with my friend Matt Silver. Matt has had a very interesting career in transportation and logistics. He has been involved in a lot of the innovations that we've seen in our space over the last 15 or 20 years. And now he's at Green Screens. Green Screens is a dynamic pricing tool. I'm sure they probably describe it a little different. But what it helps you do is it helps you, you get a price faster than you could normally get it by yourself, more accurate than you could get it on your own, and not just a price for the truck, but also a price that you should charge your customer. The big boys have spent tens of millions of dollars developing dynamic pricing. Now you can get it from green screens for a very affordable price. Guys, I say it all the time on my podcast. We have the haves and the have-nots. The haves are going to have dynamic pricing. This is the next killer app. We talked a lot about visibility for a long time. Now get ready to hear about dynamic pricing because we're all going to need it. If you're going to succeed in this business, you're going to succeed because you have dynamic pricing. But before we get to the podcast, I want to tell you about my friends at Tusk Logistics. That's T-U-S-K logistics.com. If you're a small parcel shipper, you can save 40% with Tusk. And the way you can save 40% is Tusk has a great technology and they've connected a whole bunch of regional small parcel carriers. These are carriers that have been in business for a long time and they're excellent service, better than the big guys in their region. But you could never use them because they were just regional. Tusk has connected these guys into a national network. You can save 40% and have better service. And in addition, you get Tusk's technology, which is top-notch, plus you get Tusk, their customer support. Overall, you can't lose. You get better service than you're going to get from the big guys, and you get better technology than you get from the big guys, and the service, the delivery time is better than the big guys. 40% savings. Do it. TuskLogistics.com. And right at the top, it says, get started. Click on that button and get started and save 40%. So how's it going, Matt? Really, really great, Joe. Thanks for having me on. So why do I have to call you the Matt Silver rather than just Matt Silver? In in our, our beautiful freight industry, there is one other Matt Silver who uh, I suppose his family <laughs> might be more notorious in freight than mine currently. Yeah, currently. Exactly. Give, me, give me some time to, to catch up. I have to say this, by the way. I met Matt. Well, first up, Matt, go ahead and introduce yourself and your company, where you're calling from today. Then I'll tell my silly story. Absolutely. So Matt Silver, the Vice President of Partnerships for Greenscreens.ai. And joining today from sunny, beautiful Arizona. We finally got through our rain. Very nice. Very nice. So I've been connected to you on LinkedIn for a long time. So I've known of you, but we never met in person until we were at Manifest. And I knew you worked with Green Screens and I knew we were going to do an interview. And I saw you and I said, oh, nice to meet you. You're the other Matt Silver. And you said, what? <laughs> I said, oh, I, I, I mean... You're Matt Silver, because I had interviewed the other Matt Silver, who is, was, was at Forager, and then Forager got bought by Arrive. So I was like, oh, so yesterday I said on another podcast that all Matt Silvers are special. So <laughs> <laughs> Indeed we are. So what does Green Screens do? So Green Screens is providing predictive and dynamic pricing to North American freight brokers. So for any of their shipments that they have, as soon or if they just want to quote a customer, they can plug it through our system. We can integrate right into their TMS and provide it back automatically. But we can tell them the cost of capacity without getting too long about how we do it. We provide a machine learning based model for each and every broker on our platform. So everything is going to be tailored to not just their customer mix, but performance of their company, both in known lanes and also unknown lanes to them. Yep. So right now, Without a tool, I can get a truck from somebody. I can call and say, hey, what does this lane cost from Matt's place out in Arizona to my place in Michigan? And I can get a number of rates. I have some carriers and they'll tell me what that lane costs. And then I can add some 
margin onto that, hopefully a big fat margin, but more likely not as fat as I want. And we've been doing do business like this for a long time. How does dynamic pricing enter into that? I mean, what would you make? How would you make that transaction better for me and my customer for that matter? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The, the biggest part of it is just the speed in which we can transact. And then I love to talk about the, the second part too, is the accuracy in which we predict. So up against most of the other pricing products that have existed in our industry for some time, those are just kind of averaging out historical values, right? They're, they're not looking into the future and they're not holding themselves accountable for it either. And that's where we're very different. Both, you know, when we go through the entire sales process and we agree upon terms, obviously before we onboard somebody, but throughout their relationship with us, we are grading our predictions on a daily break, excuse me, daily basis. And we're also refining the models on a daily basis for each and every one of the customers. So over time, as more transactions occur, we continue to get more and more accurate. And most of our customers are seeing the you know deviation between our prediction and the reality of what they're booking to be low single digits. Single digits for sure, but low single digits, you know, deviation from prediction to actual booking. So what you would do in this transaction is you would tell me what I would pay for that lane without me having to go out and check a whole bunch of carriers. Now, I might have them in my system, but I might even have some lanes that I said, these are they've already agreed to this price for that lane ahead of time. So I can go pretty fast with that. But when the market changes and my guys have $3,800 as their price or their, their, their cost to me, and maybe the price went down to 3,600 in the last month, I don't know that. They're certainly not going to tell me that, right? They'll tell me if it's higher, but they won't tell me when it went lower. And and then I could say I always charge forty five hundred for that lane, but if the market changed and it's only going for forty two hundred, how do I find out without just find out from my customer who says we no longer pay forty five hundred for that lane? I don't know. I don't know how low to go. If they tell me, oh no, we only pay forty one hundred. Oh, I guess that's the right price. Well, maybe it's not the right price. So that's that. That's kind of the problem I've got. If I don't have a tool that helps me, I'm just bumping up against a few data points from my carriers and a few data points from my customers. Yeah, and you highlighted a actually a really interesting use case of, you know, a lot of people think of pricing or the need to have a pricing tool for new business, you know, new reps. It's also very, very useful for existing business. The the case you just gave is perfect, right? The Especially for this market. market. Has <laughs> yeah, the market's changed. It's gone down. You have a go-to carrier who hopefully you have a great relationship with and they're being transparent about what they're seeing and their operating costs. And they can save you a couple hundred bucks on one of those loads. But in all reality, you know, is it going to happen or do you find out after the next broker solicits your same shipper and they do so at current market value, which is much less than what you've been moving it for. And now you have to fight to regain that business as opposed to having a tool that at the beginning of the transaction is going to show you, we call it the network rate, but the market at large rate and then your target buy rate, which is that that machine learning based rate to to show you, are you market deficient? Are you market advantageous? Um, You know, where can you really get aggressive uh, with some of your customers? And then, also through some of the tooling and some of our partnerships across the board, how do you surface the right carrier for that? And how hard do you have to work to get to that price? You know, if you're able to move a shipment, call it 8% under market value, there's certainly homework that needs to be done to find the right carrier for that. And, you know, certainly there's a lot of capacity tools out there. There's a lot of load board tools out there, but we will also present a measurement of how difficult will it be for your organization to source capacity at the predicted price we're presenting. So you can then make some decisions too of how do you want to, you know, engage with covering the shipment. There's obviously the post and pray methods. You can send it out to the digital booking or the digital matching networks. You probably have your your top carriers or some of those internal networks, or do you need a source beyond that? Right. So I think of dynamic pricing, and again, maybe you can give us a, a definition for that in a sec, but I also think of it in terms of it's it's just another data point that I get. So I'm getting a recommended price to to uh, charge, and I'm also getting a, a recommended what I should pay for that lane. And I can always, I don't 
have to let the software do it for me. I'm assuming it would do it for me if I let it. But I could also say, no, that's a data point. I feel like I want to go with this. The artificial intelligence machine learning doesn't know as much as I do. So I'm going to go with with my gut. (laughs) I got to think over time, people are going to say less and less. I feel good about my gut. (laughs) And that, that dynamic pricing is based on what? Where do you get that price? How do you guys come up with a better price and a better cost that I should pay? Yeah, really, really good question with that. So first off, you know, the the gut feeling about freight, right? I, myself, my background, you know, over a decade in the brokerage space, trusted my gut a lot. Yeah, you know, we, we also, at all of my organizations, we built our own tooling to support our gut feelings, right? We, we could justify it on this and we won some business and we lost some business. And at times we would, you know, be convinced we were the only sane people in freight and the rest of the market's gone mad and it is what it is. What we're doing at Green Screens in terms of how do we accelerate this decision making? How do we back up and support what we're presenting is done a couple ways. Primarily, we can sort data across all of our customer base. So nearly 100 brokers have signed up with our customer since our inception, which as I look at the calendar, we're, we're a two-year-old company as of about a week ago. We were actually so busy, we, we forgot to celebrate it and call it out very publicly. But in a very short time, we, we've grown extensively. And across that customer base, everybody who pulls data from us also contributes data to us. And so it's done in two ways. One, we have the anonymized bucket where we are garnering and consorting all of the data together to come up with these vast market trends. And I'll say generalizations, but I would still be willing to volley our market rate or what we call the network rate up against most any pricing product in place or or anything that's homebrewed that that people are relying on today. And then we're on an individual broker basis, we're taking their specific data, just their organization and their operation, and we're compounding that into an ML model and influencing it based on a lot of things that are going in the market at large, as well as capacity trends, you know, certain bid processes. So you can imagine if you've bid on five of the same loads in one day and you start getting acceptance on those loads, capacity as you go to book those is going to shrink in a certain market. Similarly, if you have a deal with a shipper, you know, it's kind of that they just send you the load because you always do it for 2000 and you got to carry in your back pocket. You shoot it to for 1700. That's all good until it isn't right until you don't know that the shipper down the street ran a special project and took 10 trucks out of the local market until you get awarded that load at the end of the day because three other people already stumbled on it. You know, they were supposed to pick it up yesterday and rejected it. Supposed to pick it up this morning, truck fell off kind of thing. So being dynamic is our way of responding to all of those market conditions in the instant that they're happening. The example I like to use being, you know, geographically located in the Southwest is over the last couple summers, because of you know rain and, and washout, we have seen I-10, a major highway from especially the Long Beach port into the Phoenix area for our warehousing, has actually washed out on the highway several times, which is when you know when I was booking loads, something that never happened. But in recent years, it's happened almost every summer now. And until you know that that highway has actually fallen off the face of the planet and they can't build a workaround route for, you know, 12 hours or 18 hours, trucks are going to bypass it by going a a very long way, right? You're adding a couple hundred miles, which is certainly going to change the cost of moving a shipment from Long Beach to Phoenix or Long Beach further east if you were intending to go that I-10 corridor. So being able to know that or have pricing respond to that without the broker or the sales rep in the seat having to be aware of what's going on at every local economic level and having a tool that will just spit out the answer for you. What you do with the answer obviously is uh, up to everybody's discretion. You could automate it to respond through some of our partners to email quotes and bids. You can you know, build it to respond to bid requests or go into bid boards for you and respond to some of those things. But also again, keeping track of how many of these loads are you anticipating to move? What's the inbound and outbound load flows and all the markets being addressed? Are there any anomalies or we, we call them black swan events that are occurring that are influencing that same transit that you might be accustomed to just saying, hey, this is 2000 bucks and we can save you from stumbling on that. Yep. Well, always think about dynamic pricing this way. The way you just described, absolutely right. Another way to look at it 
is somebody says, should I get dynamic pricing? Well, who's using it? So answer that question for me. I know there's 20-some thousand freight brokers. There's a lot more 3PLs. Who's using dynamic pricing today? Yeah, with certainty, you know, in, in our customer mix, there are 100 of, of some of the best performing brokerages, uh, especially during tough times. They're looking for an edge. our tooling. <laughs> Absolutely. You're, everybody should be looking for a competitive edge. Most interestingly for me as, you know, a relative newcomer to the, co- the company, I knew about them and, you know, I'd studied them and, and paid attention to their growth before coming on board. But one of the things I really started to notice was some of the marquee names coming to the company as companies that typically had built their own technology or were confident that they could do it themselves. And we have much smarter minds than myself working behind the scenes here, but we like to kind of compare it to, you know, if you were going to build a Google of your own, a a search engine, would you use just your own search history? Probably not. Or do you want to know what everybody is doing to build a better tool? Similarly, you know, if you're going to buy a stock tomorrow, is your past performance the only indicator of what's happening? Or are there better tools available because there's people who have already dabbled in that stock, people who are, are making changes to their portfolio based on other conditions? And that can be very tough. So so the way I kind of look at this is the couple hundred companies you guys are working with, those are marquee, marquee names, but also small guys who just want an edge, right? But also, I know... I've interviewed them, the convoys of the world, Uber, all these companies that have in recent years popped up. They said, we're going to do things. We're going to get a price and a cost faster and we're going to do it. We're going to be more accurate and we're going to win business because we don't have the same cost structure on our business as the other guy. And I think I talked to Don Salucci Favier, your CEO, and uh she said there's 20,000 freight brokers out there. And again, this works for beyond just freight brokerage, but let's just talk about freight brokers. And she said a couple hundred at that time, a year ago, I think she said a couple hundred are using dynamic pricing. And I kind of look and go, okay, those, I, if I had to bet, if I was a bet man, I would bet that those companies are going to fare better than the companies that have not made that investment. And it's not a huge investment. From my perspective, it's it's lowering my cost. I'm getting faster and I'm going to be more accurate. What else do you need to know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think you uncovered some really interesting things. You know, my, my past working for Andrew and Michael Leto in my early days of freight, you know, we, we grew a company very quickly. That was and global trends. things that... Global Trans, yeah, we'll, we'll do some name dropping on it. Prior to, to their venture with Emerge at Global Trans, one of the things we did once we hit scale, right, we were grabbing business left and right. And once we hit scale, we began focusing on efficiency, right? And you see this over and over with companies. If you're moving a thousand loads a day or you have a $500 million a year brokerage, it's very exciting. It's very interesting. But if you're not producing healthy margin, you're not protecting your bottom line, you're not insulating yourself from all of the events, some of you know which we've we've already touched on, your business is at risk, right? And you know, I'm I'm not one for for scare tactics and anything like that. So if you're doing what you're doing and it's working for you, God bless, good luck. It, that's amazing. But you should always be watching what's going on around you. You should always be looking for new ways to to run and operate. And certainly, especially as the brokerage industry is notorious for turnover, especially at the the entry level broker staff, and it takes so long to ramp up a new employee to become not just knowledgeable about pricing, sourcing capacity, negotiation strategies, servicing customers. You know, when do you use your A plus carriers versus your, we'll call them the B minus carriers, right? How do you insert them for, for certain customers? Really, the starting point of all these transactions is price. And if you can get to the price faster, you win on the you know, scale of economy on the labor side. So it's less money for you to transact, which insulates your margin. The less time you go to market or you spend going to market to source that capacity, all the better for your operation as well. And you're also protecting yourself from being outpriced by a competitor by keeping up with market situations. And, you know, the the demands, the ebbs and flows that are going on on the local level, you know, certainly a customer appreciates when you can save them money. But I've been on the other side of this where 
you know, a customer just needs a load moved. Right. They they want transparency. They want honesty. Like, it's cool if you can beat my competitor, but do you actually have a truck? <laughs> yeah. Truck in hand, is, as I always called it in the, in the brokerage world, and I know many others do, you know, you, you're the one servicing the customer. You're the one who's able to produce and help keep their goods moving, which, you know, they move freight, you get paid. That's always how it goes. Right. So you mentioned you worked at Global Trends. I know you've, I've, I've looked at your LinkedIn a few times. I know you've had a long, illustrious career for such a young man. So t- tell me, where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you joined, before you joined Green Screens. Yeah. I, first off, appreciate being called young. I used to, <laughs> in my early days in freight, used to like find it fascinating. I, I felt young even. I was in my 20s when I started in this industry or fell into the industry as most people do, right? We, we didn't draw this, you know, on with crayons and construction paper and you know, right. kindergarten when we were dreaming about what we wanted to be. Freight broker wasn't something I, I knew existed until I became one. So, you know, I, I come from a lineage of sales. I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. I went to ASU, had a really good time there. So I, I ended up going for six and a half years, <laughs> dabbled in several different possible career paths, Throughout that. There are a ton uh, of people from the, the Midwest who end up at ASU, and uh, I'm not so sure they're going there for the right reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Some of my my best friends in life, you know, were especially from the you know the Chicago area. Actually, my my best friend, my roommate, who turned into my roommate, that's still my best friend. They actually just moved back to Phoenix, so very excited to have them. But you know, after ASU, I started a valet parking company. I actually I valet parked cars throughout college decided I could do it better than, uh, you know, the, the biggest operation in Phoenix. And I don't know if we grew bigger, but I had a great time doing it. I certainly expanded faster than my former employer. And I, I liked doing that. I think that kind of planted the seed of startup mentality and what grew into me becoming a startup junkie, but dabbled in a, a number of different sales organizations and thought I had found success in medical sales you know, my early 20s, it was fun for a while. And then I just, I'd had enough of it one day. And a gentleman, Grant Glasser, also from the, the Global Trans lineage, he and I had been valet parking cars together. And he was with this startup called Global Trans. And they were building a full truckload team. And at the time, I think they were they were doing about $100 million a year in LTL business. And they had, you know, taken some VC money to build out full truckload. So I went in in a full suit, nice resume. I think Mike Ant, or uh, yeah, Mike Leto was, was my interviewer and, you know, he's in board shorts and flip flops, looked at my resume, <laughs> threw it on the floor. It was just like, yeah, we, we don't hire director level people. So if you want to just sling freight, we'll teach you to do it. And uh, I was bold enough to say yes, had a lot of fun. You know, I was with the organization for, for five years. So we, we scaled big and aggressive as most people are pretty aware. They're much larger now than, than even when I left there, I left right around the 500 a year, 500 million a year mark. That's a rocket ship. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was a wild ride for five years. I, I learned a lot of things about you know planning to move offices. I think we relocated three or four times during my tenure there. So you know as much as we learned about moving freight, we learned about moving staff and scaling operations. Right. Well, Global Trans is still going strong, and then the, Andrew and Michael and many others, I imagine, from Global Trans started Emerge which is also in Arizona, right? And they're yeah. they're killing it. And and it's interesting because you don't think of it as a tr- traditional place where you would see. And actually, when I interviewed Andrew Leto, he said, God, if I started in Chicago, it might be even more successful. And I was like, yeah, but maybe not. Maybe that, you know, you, yeah. when you're there, looking there for lots of people. some magic to being, yeah, they were, they were kind of the trailblazers of the the Phoenix freight market or the Phoenix. It's not all bad to be in the same time zone as California, is it? In Arizona. (laughs) No. And there's now so many brokerage operations in the Phoenix metro area. It's pretty awesome. I just talked to the Freyvana folks. Great operations. So where'd you go after Global Trends? Yeah. Swore two things. I swore uh, after my exit, I was staying out of freight and I was staying away from VC money. <laughs> and it uh, turns out I lied to myself terribly <laughs> because uh, I, I took a couple months off and I had the itch to, to build again. So I actually partnered with a local LTL company to build out their freight brokerage. We were acquired within a year, which was very exciting. And then I, I spent some time around town with some smaller operations. You know, a gentleman I had known from my past 
mostly in the vein of they had previously been Global Trans agents. They stepped out on their own to run their own full shop and were growing. So I, I kind of became the local guy to help you set your operations, scale it, reorg after growth to make sure you were servicing customers at the level you wanted. And then ultimately it, it boils down to, and I don't know if Prasad will love me telling the story or not, but I met Prasad Galopoli of uh, Trucker Tools fame. Yep. He, he was out doing a sales call with one of his sales reps who I had known from my past. We ended up at dinner. Dinner turned into drinks at the airport and we time traveled. There, there was a lot of missed phone calls when Prasad and I finally parted ways that, you know, we, we kept correspondence over a number of months thereafter. I think we'd initially met in like April and it wasn't until probably December that year. Uh, he very confidently told me that he was going to hire me, which was great to hear. I was a partner in a brokerage at the time, so I, I wasn't exactly looking for a job. But what they described and what they were doing seemed very interesting. I came on board there about two years before that was acquired by ASG. And that was an absolute wild ride. I, you know, I signed up to be the VP of partnerships as COVID hit. And so a couple months into what was supposed to be, you're going to fly around, meet and greet everybody, make these deals now turned into, do you think you can do this from the comfort of your home while all these companies were, were scaling back? Yeah. So what does trucker tools do? I, I interviewed uh, Carrie not so long ago, so I know, but tell people who don't know. Yeah, so Trucker Tools is, they, they were initially one of the players on the carrier visibility side, and they did it a little bit different than, you know, a P44 or a macro point. They were first to market with a driver app. During my tenure there, we drove driver app usage from about 600,000 users to 2.5 million. So certainly became very popular among the drivers. Everything was free, still is, as, as far as I know. They can... Uh, they can advise on their product better than I can at this point. But, you know, we gave all the tooling a driver needs for their daily all the transit, finding yep. new loads, fuel. Yeah, to, right, right in the palm of their hand. And then on the, the brokerage side, you know, we would provide back the visibility of where is the truck. We could exchange documents back to the broker. We also had some tooling for, they call it smart capacity, basically the, the capacity solution for the industry, right? Match drivers both in and out of network to available freight. And then most recently, they, they also spooled into being able to have book it now type transactions. So if a driver sees a load that they like and they like the price, they can just click the button and, and they're assigned to the load. So the broker has even less work to do, which is great. Yep. Now, is that your last stop before you joined uh, Green Screens? That, that was it. Yeah. So I was there two years uh, before the acquisition and about a year after the acquisition. So you've done so you've done quite a bit. You've you've started companies, you've grown companies, you've been worked for some of the top ones. Why why did you choose to go to green screens? You had options, I'm sure. It it is yeah. It's it was very flattering, very humbling when I, I came out of Trucker Tools and started to to feel around for what was next for me. And I talked to some, you know, people I always look to as mentors and advisors to my own career in the industry, because I I of course have some ideas of things. I would like to bring to life, but also, you know, I wanted to really get involved at the, as close to the ground level as possible. Again, I was very humbled with some of the offers that were presented to me, either to join firms or to, you know, sit as an advisor with some of the, the things that were presented to me. Ultimately, with the green screens opportunity, I had known Don and Kevin from my time at Trucker Tools. You know, we were working on something there. So I really got to understand the product. So that's Don Salvucci, Favier. She's one of the CEO and she also a founder. I don't believe is a founder. She's a CEO. And then Kevin Combs? Yeah, so she she's CEO and chief product officer as well. Kevin Coombs is our VP of sales. Um, comes to us from Revanova. I believe he was part of uh, P44 Carrier Direct early in the day. Yep. Metaphor and now. So he, he's got a great pedigree. When I was first approaching them. Uh, it was more just, hey, I, I appreciate your product. I want you guys to know that. I think you're doing really cool stuff. It wasn't initially with the intent of, I need to work with you. It, it was more just validating that, you know, I think this company's on the right path. I think the product's pretty phenomenal. It quickly spun into just timing wise, the TIA was in the Phoenix metro area where I live. So I, you know, was was lurking around the event to meet with some people and start to put my name out there as, you know, hey, I'm, I'm looking for something. I had met with Don. It very quickly became, you know, hey, you know, there, there's an opportunity in Chattanooga at the Freight Waves event, which was just a couple weeks later that I was heading to anyway. 
So it worked out that I could meet more of the team. My very big focus was also I wanted to meet some of the board members, you know, Ben Gordon being one of the, the founders and also an investor. It is important to me that I meet with him and, and ensure that we're fully aligned on where is the company going? What is the direction? Is this the, we're going to be everything to everyone, or are we going to become subject matter experts and provide a best in breed solution and really hone in on improving it continuously? All of that kind of worked out in the affirmative and, you know, it, it was a no brainer to me to, to, you know, accept the offer and come on board. I love what you guys are doing. So let's switch gears. We call this the power of partnership with my friend, the Matt Silver. And when we talk about partnerships, I've said this many times on my podcast, not related to green screens, but just related to, I think it's a in this market, we, it's time to partner up. You don't need to develop your own TMS necessarily. Maybe you do. Some big companies might. But you, you can go get a really good TMS that fits most of your needs. If you're a warehousing company, get a WMS. We don't have to make our own technologies now. We have great tools like Gartner and Forrester and word of mouth. We can buy the right technology for ourselves. We don't have to create it anymore. And I think in a way, it's better that we don't because you can't focus everywhere. And so I know technology partners is just one segment. But we also kind of anybody in this business knows you need carrier partners. We're very comfortable with that. I hear people say, my warehousing partner, my fulfillment partner. You can't do it all in our space unless, you know, unless you're Maersk, perhaps. I mean, unless unless you have billions of dollars to invest, you can't do it all. So it's important that we, if you want to compete at the high level, you need a partner. And again, I'll throw this out there. I feel like, and I'm going to use brokerage as an example. I know the margin, there's margin compression, right? And I think that margin compression will continue. We will have less margin. And that's fine for companies who have invested in technology and can say, we don't really need that big margin to get by. And we're transitioning our people to data scientists rather than clerks, right? And uh, there's that old Warren Buffett saying where he said, when the tide goes out, you find out who's not wearing bathing suits. And I think that applies to our margins, and again, I think we as an industry want to hold those margins up, but we want to hold those margins up so we can add more value, not so we can continue to be inefficient. <laughs> Stepping off my soapbox. What do you think, Matt Silver? <laughs> I think all, all of these things come down to like time, talent, and money, basically, right? Like, could you build anything? Sure. Right. With enough time, enough talent, enough money, everything is feasible. But to, to your point, I think there's so many great tools that are available off the shelf, especially for the advantage of the startup brokers, the mid-sized brokers. Even some of the large brokers have shied away, we'll say, from developing their own technology. You know, when you silo a piece of technology, you're only exposed to what's going on inside your direct network. So if you don't transact in a certain manner, if you don't have certain data points, you, you can't fake them, right? You, you, you don't know what you don't know. And also just, you know, the, the expense of building technology has gone sky high, especially in the last four or five years, right? Developers are absolutely at a premium and as they should be, right? They're the backbone of everything we do these days. But the tooling gets better and better and better every year. And if you are of the mindset that, you know, either you don't need something, and I'm not going to make it even just about our, our segment of pricing or our company. You know, if I recall building a visibility solution at one point in my career, wish I hadn't, right? We, we were using all the products that were available off the shelf, but we also believed if we invested enough time and money and we acquired the right talent, we could build something better. And then what happened is we spent more money on our own product than any of the, the And you took your eye off the ball too. A hundred percent. And then we converted our sales team into trying to convince drivers to use our product over just saying like, Hey, you know, Mr. Driver, what are you using today? We'll just track you that way. Right. We would have saved 20 minutes on every you know load just in convincing them they needed to do something different. Right. So there's no doubt in my mind, we need to, we need partners, but you know, I've said this a few times since I had the conversation with Don Salvucci-Favier, your CEO. 
she said something. She's uh, She came up through the tech side of the business, working on transportation management systems, like 3G and Manugistics and some of those others. And she said, you know, there's six or seven functions, eight functions to uh, a TMS. And she said, we were always trying to get those functions to be best in class. Of course, that's what everybody's doing. She said, we never had it in our mindset that we're going to bring in another app that connects to ours that'll do something better than we can do it ourselves. But that's what technology has kind of morphed into. And I use the example, if you're familiar with WordPress, WordPress is probably 30% of websites are made in WordPress. WordPress is the framework and they allow you to have all these plug-in applications that are best in class. So if I need to develop a calendar for my website, I don't look for a developer to code me a calendar. There's already one built, and you call it a widget, you call it an app, whatever, but it plugs in onto that. And what WordPress will say is, we have 10 different solutions for calendars. Which one do you want? We don't care. We're the framework. So most of the newer transportation management systems are open and made to accept a connection to green screens. Am I right to say that? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just green screens. It's a whole class of technologies now. Am I right to say that? Definitely. Yeah. So the the TMS market is really shifted, especially in the last three to five years, where they are becoming very open to accepting integration partners, allowing the brokerage to choose, you know, what, what is the tech stack that you want? What are the plugins you want to have available through these integrated partners where your users benefit by sitting in the TMS, going through their native workflow, but the right bits of information at the right time are populating in for them, sometimes without much input from the user, right? It, it just happens as you progress the transaction. So I know you're the vice president of partnerships. So you are you going out and gathering up all of these TMS companies and saying, let us, let us partner? As, uh, as many as will say yes. So first off, open invite to anybody who wants to integrate with us, right? We are, uh, I, I call it, we're exclusively non-exclusive, even to the effect of I have standing offers with any, we'll call it competitive pricing products in market. I think what we're doing is different enough where we're confident in putting their tool in ours if they're willing to put ours in theirs as well. But certainly, you know, to the benefit of our brokerage community, we are very aggressively going after every TMS in market to find a way to integrate either directly or through some sort of middleware or, you know, plug in, you know, socket with metaphor is a good example. As long as we can access the information of the brokerage, they can use us in a fairly automated manner. We can also be used standalone. It's, you know, obviously not not as good. But So that means when you're integrated, let's just say, go, so, so, so name a few that you're already connected to. Yeah. So, I mean, Ty Turbo Mastery is just around the corner with a big announcement. The list I have for meetings that are going on at TIA, I would love to disclose because right. it's basically, you know, if, if we're not already in development, we have planned meetings. And not to say that we've covered everybody, but even some of our partners that we integrated early on, the I'll, I'll say FMS, TMS, and, and Rose Rocket as great examples where we integrated as a young product, we are now upgrading those integrations because of customer. I'm glad you mentioned Rose Rocket because I just interviewed Justin Bailey and he spells his name with that E at the end rather than a Y. So I always want to say Justin Bale, but he's Canadian. That's what the, so the difference can, but years ago he was at Y Combinator. So he lives in uh, Toronto land, but he was in California then because he's part of Y Combinator. And he was telling me about this software that we're developing a TMS and it's open. So everybody can connect their technologies to it. And I was like, what? I mean, it made zero sense to me. And I remember talking, I talked to him two or three times and each time I was like, I didn't, I didn't want to sound stupid, but I was stupid because I did not understand his vision and what they were doing. But all I knew is guys at Y Combinator don't make a lot of mistakes. And and but he was talking about just that. I'm going to create this great software, this this great technology. But as best in class applications uh, come out in the market, which might be a visibility software a few years back or uh, uh, green screens today, but there's capacity. There's all sorts of. We don't know what the best in class is is for tomorrow, 
But we want it to connect to our systems. Oh, by the way, I say this sometimes. Tomorrow I.O., they've been on my podcast a few times, a climate and weather app. That's going to be that is going to plug into a lot of our systems before long because Absolutely. a lot of our accidents, a lot of our late shipments are tied directly to weather, and we do the best we can with looking at the weather report and say, "I heard it rained out west," right? But we don't do that, and tomorrow IO does. I'll put a link in the show notes. But getting back to it, this when we we picked the title, the Power Partnerships, the world has changed. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, if somebody says, I'm going to have a TMS and it's going to have all these plugins to other applications, somebody says, no, that's not the way it works, Joe. That You got a TMS. That's it. <laughs> yeah. TMSs of, of past were, I, I won't say restrictive. They just, they didn't know they weren't that built there for was it. something else, right? They they built their own tooling and they they tried very, very hard. And I think we're even seeing a lot of I don't mean it in like a diminishing way, but the legacy systems, the big TMS marquee names that have been around a long time, all of them as of late are announcing integration layers, right? A a means for companies like ours or tomorrow to jump in and participate in the transaction with their users without, you know, we'll we'll call it some, some light development work, right? It doesn't have to be these really deep, really, you know, lengthy, API connections, right? If they have a means to insert, you know, a widget here and there, we can do certain things like that as well. So Matt, let's just say somebody's listening to this podcast. And as I've said before, everyone should be listening to this podcast all the time. They listen to the podcast, they hear you talk and they say, I would like this dynamic pricing tool. I want to partner with these guys. And I use, we mentioned Rose Rocket, but it could be Turvo. It could be a lot of different systems that you're already connected to. And if you aren't already connected to them, you will get connected to them. But let's just say you're already connected. You're already partnering. How long does it take to turn it on? Very, very simple. So I'll, I'll put some pressure on our onboarding team as well with this answer. But it really, it happens pretty quickly. So the, the journey after somebody decides to, to utilize us in an already integrated environment, we, we hand them off to our onboarding team. And our onboarding team is going to collect past transaction history, which usually is already a report that's set up with a TMS or we have an API connection to be able to pull it. But what we do from there is we collect that data and we start building out the ML model for that customer. So like I said- And that's machine learning. Yeah, everybody's contributing to that network rate, but we build a specific machine learning model for each and every brokerage. And we do that based on past transactions to refine it down to be very, very accurate. And again, I'll probably overpromise on this, but I, I, I'm pretty confident in our team's ability. So we typically will tell a customer, we will get our predictions within 10% of your actualized bookings before we turn you live and before we start charging. And, and, it, and it gets better every day as you get more data it, into absolutely. the system. I, I might get a little heat out of that one. It's actually easier for us to onboard large customers. So we'll say, you know, even those small and mid-sized ones in excess of 5 million a year in full truckload revenues, obviously the more you have, the easier it is to build accurate modeling. But we will set a threshold before we start billing you and taking you live. Once you are live, you're able to use the tool very simply. We do have a full support team. We don't charge for ongoing support. Unlike a lot of the products in the market, we also, you don't have to buy anything to then get to our pricing product. Are you charging me by the transaction or? Uh, Not at all. So month? flat monthly fee, just a SaaS fee is what we charge. And it's based on the total size of your business without getting too into the nitty gritty of it. There's basically five pricing buckets before we hit at a price level. So it could be as inexpensive. And I actually know the number is below a couple thousand dollars a month in order to use our tool. And it goes up from there. But my favorite thing to hear is we are less expensive than one month of overage fees from a company I won't name. And it, it's, you know, we want to be reachable for every scale. Right. So I can turn this on pretty darn quick. And before we hit record, we were talking about this is you can select a technology and hopefully you, you in this case, it's an easy selection because it's probably the only but the only only dynamic pricing tool connected to your TMS. So you turn that on, and then you get the initial onboarding, orientation, training, whatever you want to call it. But then I want that ongoing support because I feel like what happens in most 
technology things is I get up to speed and I'm at 60, 70, 80% usage. And then I'm like, okay, I'm busy. I went on to the next thing. But what I really need to do is with this, I need to continue getting better and better. So hopefully I got that ongoing support. But what is the, do you say ROI? How do you, what's the ROI on something like this? Yeah. I, so I think the, the return on investment's pretty easy to, to justify, right? If we look at how much time do you spend, and we can look at a couple different ways. How much time do you spend just pricing a single transaction? How much time in that same transaction is spent figuring out and negotiating with carriers to, to get to market? If you knew ahead of time, A, what to charge a customer, B, what capacity was going to actually cost you, right? You've got time savings there. The other way it's often being used, and I think pretty much by all of our customers, is as you onboard new staff, you're really shortening the the time it takes for them to ingest all that tribal knowledge of your company, right? So you could confidently have a brand new sales rep read a, a shipment or enter a shipment that's in your TMS and price it out through our tool. To that effect, we, we've partnered with a lot of, we'll call them, you know, price automation or quote automation tools. So people on the other side of pricing that will respond to emails in automated fashion. So you can be the, the first broker to respond with an accurate price to your customer, to go to your customer's bid boards and fill it out using our price as your baseline. And then the rules that you have as a company for margin and how many in a certain lane, things like that can be handled by a lot of our partners. So that yields a massive, massive return on investment but again, protecting your margin, I think, is the most valuable thing, right? We're not averaging yesterday's rates. There's the time savings, which is all by itself significant. But then there's the having the right price quickly, which is a, a whole nother value. So even if you took away the time, time savings, having the right price now is very valuable because I'm gonna, I'm not going to miss. And by the way, we've seen... In the last few years, and I guess it never goes away, giant swings. Just just as COVID hit, a friend of mine called and said, I think, and he spends a ton of money, said, I think I want to renegotiate all my rates with my carriers. And he goes, but I I like the idea that we got rates and we're contracted and we're partners with these guys. So what do you think? I go, I agree with you. Just stick with it. Well, little did we know that within a few weeks, rates were going to skyrocket. So his tribal knowledge and even my tribal knowledge was, yeah, you might be overpaying your guys for a few months while we wait out COVID. We didn't know it'd be a few years, but nobody knew. So you can say tribal knowledge. Well, when was your last pandemic, Matt? (laughs) I trust Matt. I trust Matt. He's been around, but were you alive during the Spanish flu epidemic? (laughs) Not a chance. And I think that's actually a really good example because I think a lot of people got caught, right? And I've certainly lived this in my past with brokers where, hey, you know what? I am going to overpay you in the summer months, but I need you to serve me in the winter months, right? right? And it, it all levels out at the end of the year. And that's always true until it's not, right? Until it's so outlandish of a swing that nobody's willing to play ball. And ultimately, that happens at a certain point, right? You certainly can't expect a carrier partner to take something at a loss, right? They, they can't operate a truck deficient. I don't ever like the idea of my partners. And again, I do. I use that in the truest sense of the word. And I know you do too. I don't call them my carrier partner so I can trick them into trusting me. I want them to always make money on the lanes I bring them. I don't want to do business any other way. I don't also, I also don't like the idea that if I'm working with a broker, that that guy didn't make any money for his work today. None of that makes sense. We've done it for a long time. It's what brought us here. I'm not completely against it, but I don't want anyone losing money because it's not a sustainable model. And also if it's, it's at some point, if you lost hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars out of your paycheck in a month, at some point you've got to get it back or I'm going to lose you. That's not the way most people live. <laughs> yeah, it, it's got to be a fair shake. I I personally, and you know, I, I see no shame in understanding everybody around us in this business. You know, we're for-profit companies, right? It doesn't mean that we're absolutely- Don't gouge me. <laughs> yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're not on the gravy train all the time. There, there's tight times, especially right now, right? This is a- a perfect month that exemplifies how tight things can be and how scary the market could be, right? We're 
back again, seeing, you know, markets collapse and banks close. And there's an element of panic out there. We, you know, I'm sure you, you've also seen this, the waves of layoffs as we rolled into 2023 and certainly more so in the past couple of weeks. That's because, and, you know, I'm not an economist, but there, there's a lot of things that attribute to that. But when a business is run well, and it's somewhat insulated, right? Again, it's not, you're making so much money, you can just hire frivolously, but you're also not scraping by where you can't afford to service your customers and your own employees appropriately, right? Being able to provide is a very valuable thing. And it's the cornerstone of those who survive tough times, right? You're reliable. So getting back to this, I decide I want to get, I want to work with green screens. So I, the, the implementations doesn't take long. Um, probably the, the, the technology implementation, it might be as simple as saying I paid green screens and now they gave me code and I'm now it's now connected to my TMS. Yeah. Most of the TMSs, if we're already integrated with, we provide the credentials and the integration can be flipped on. Um, again, we we spend a couple weeks building out the modeling, so we can safely say we'll we'll bring most of our customers live in a matter of a month. So I'm going to get the ROI. That's going to save me time. It's going to say it's going to give me better and more accurate pricing. Now I know some companies right now already. If I was to send them an email, they would read that email and respond with a buy now, meaning. They know what the price of that lane is. They know what they're going to pay for that lane. Can you help companies get to that buy now place? Yeah. So we've, you know, again, we, we don't just partner with TMSs. Uh, we partner with a variety of companies. So, you know, quote automation, you know, either through AVRL, HubTech, Bitfreighter. You can actually even quote through our platform with text locate now. We've got speed to quote on board and their speed to bid process as well. So we've got a variety of these partners that can help automate your journey. We're one piece of the puzzle. We like to play well with everybody else. That's why they have a vice president of partnerships. So you guys can all figure out how to play well, make it, make sure. Well, and you're all, you all have the same idea is how do we make, there are big companies. I think we all know them. The Echoes, uh, Global Global Trans, one of them, obviously C.H. Robinson. These companies spend hundreds of millions of dollars on technology. Hundreds of millions of dollars is more than the revenue of most freight brokers. So if you're going to play with those companies, you're going to compete against those companies. And I think there's plenty of room for everybody. But there'll be less room for the guys at the very bottom who don't invest in the technologies. I still talk to people who don't have a TMS. I have no idea how you do that, but they're out there. So I feel like you need to you need to you t- take advantage of the tools that are out there. And again, this is one that's a slam dunk in my mind because I've had the guys from Convoy on, and they said we do things with people until we figure out that it happens a few times, then we automate it. And that's kind of what you're doing. So let me ask you this. There are people who are doing those jobs. What are typically, what are they, where are they transitioning to? Are they becoming data scientists or where, where, where are those people going? I know you have hundreds of companies that are adopting your software now. Yeah. So to, to start with it, where do the, the people end up? You know, I've, in, in my career, along, along my journey, I have replaced people with technology to the benefit of the people, Right. You don't have to do the the menial tracking. No more data entry. <laughs> and enter the note because we, we didn't have a bot that could enter the load and, and type it for us, right? So we replace some of those painstaking jobs with more rewarding career paths, right? We give you an opportunity to move to something that is sustainable, you know, builds our relationships with both customers, carriers, partners, anybody who's servicing the freight along with us in the brokerage space. I think one of the more interesting things I've seen since coming on green screens is a majority of our team was at some of those names you, you you mentioned in the past, helping to build technologies there or helping to automate certain things. And, you know, they, they grew out of that organization and grew into okay. very specific roles where they're able to help the industry rather than just one player. And I also think what's really, really interesting, something I, I came across years ago in my career is these companies that are spending hundreds of millions of dollars or tens of millions even, building their own technology, which is not a small amount of money. I don't mean that as like, oh, it's just tens of millions. Even if you're spending 50 bucks on building something, you are still, you're you're captive to the data you collect. You're captive to the processes you know. You're not learning outside your walls. 
and you solely have to deal with all of the maintenance of that, right. all of the product evolution, which doesn't happen as fast as all the products around you that aren't also running an accounting team to collect from customers, vetting you know your carrier setup, trying to book loads, trying to source customers, right? We are experts in one thing, and we do that, I think, at an exceptionally high level, and our product iterations come very fast. The development of new ideas come to life very quickly, and because we're seeing it across so many different customers, we're spotting trends and needs constantly from them. We're always soliciting feedback. We actually have a survey going to carriers, or excuse me, customers this afternoon from a call that occurred. I'm checking my calendar to make sure I'm honest on this. A call that just occurred two hours ago where we have an opportunity for an integration with a company and they asked us to validate that there is customer demand and we will serve them the answer to their question the same day, basically, uh, <laughs> right. to let them know that this is desired. Well, this this is the value of buying off the shelf in my mind because you guys are paying attention every day. If I develop this in-house, let's just say I develop dynamic pricing, and then they go, that's great. Hey, now get back to our visibility tool, which is a little behind now. So you go back and start working on the visibility tool. And then in a year, they go, hey, you know what Green Screens is doing? Oh, shoot. Yeah, back over to the – that's the problem is – actually, Dawn described it as whack-a-mole when she worked at a TMS. You want to be best in class everywhere. Better to say we are going to be the best in class in one space and we're never going to leave the space. We're not going to work. We're, the green screens team isn't going to go work on the, the TMS interface next week. They are all going to be working on making dynamic pricing better. And again, I guys, I say this all the time. We have collected data in, in file cabinets for generations, done nothing with that information. Then we brought it all online. And for the last 20 years, we've had our information online and we didn't do much with it. We made reports from it, and it was rearview mirror stuff. Now, companies like Green Screens are able to say, based on that historical data and using a whole bunch of scenarios and AI, this is what the price is going to be. And it's again, it's uh, I've said it many times on my podcast, maybe too many times, but we are getting to a place of haves and have-nots, and the have the haves are going to have technology like this, and. Uh, the have-nots are not going to. A hundred percent. And I, I love the rearview mirror uh, analogy because as you were talking about Dawn's whack-a-mole comparison, you know, it it just seems obvious to me that, you know, you can look in the rearview mirror and that, that tells you some things that have happened and you can learn from them. But we have technology now that help you see over the hill, right? We can see what, what's coming around the bend. And to the effect in of- In real time, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. It's real time. You're not- you're not going to say last week you should have combined these loads. You're going to say do. They're going to tell you today these are two more loads that can be combined. And and technology that's grading itself in real time, right? It's self correcting. Its knowledge base only grows. It's better every right? day. So that, better every day, and you're. It's not like me, right? If I want to be better every day, I'm committing to it. I'm putting in hours, and I only have so many hours. With technology like this, you're just feeding it the scenarios and you're feeding it the outcomes and it's learning and adapting from that. So it's kind of this ever evolving and it gets better with yeah. time kind of thing. Oh, I also think you guys are going to learn and over the, if I talk to you in a year, what you're doing today will seem like, oh my God, I can't believe that's where we're at because look at what we're doing today. That's just the nature of this kind of technology. And also of the focus. If, if you were focusing on, again, a TMS, nothing against the TMS makers. They are doing a great job too. But one of the things they've recognized is focus matters. That's why they let you connect to the green screens of the world because they can't focus all their energies on one thing and nor can you, but you can pay for that focus. Like A hundred percent. Even some of those TMSs that have, you know, we'll call it technical debt, right? They have deliverables that are owed to some of their largest customers that do see benefit to partnering into certain things or they've there's even a couple tmss that come to mind I, I won't name them offhand but they've built their own pricing tools and they are now partnering in to show us alongside the tools that they've built again we have a larger customer reach than they do if you i would love to check in in a year we have some some bold predictions but you know the the signs are pointing to you know we will double customer count the amount of data we are compounding will you know grow 
exponentially, right? It's it's not one to one. We don't get one load for each one broker. Some brokers do many loads a day. And certainly as we get deeper into the market, we're going to learn more at a faster rate. The velocity increases significantly over time. Excellent. Excellent. So answer this in any order you want. What's next for you? What's next for green screens? And then what's next for the industry as it, as it relates to dynamic pricing and pricing in general? Yeah, that's a, uh, man, I could pontificate on this for <laughs> a while. So I'll, I'll start with the easy. What What's next for me is continuing to enjoy, you know, working at green screens. It is, and I've only been here four short months. It feels like we've put in over that same amount of time, the work that I've done in the last 12 months altogether. It, it's moving at such a high rate of speed. This is our first calendar year of all of the trade shows. So the, the team is very heads down. We're also growing the team quite significantly to not just keep up with the demand, to also get us to where we're going. And where are we going, right? The runway of brokerage for us is still very, very long and very much in front of us. We are very flattered by the demand that's coming our way. And we are promising to continue to not just serve all of the prospects and all of the existing customers, but to overserve them, right? We want to outshine what we promise. We are big advocates of doing more than we say we can. We have ongoing experimentation that is spearheaded by customer demand or even prospects as they ask us, could you do this? The answer for our team is always, we would love to look into it, right? We want to meet the customer demand where it's at. We want to understand how can we further remove friction from the transactional process and that of our customers, you know, where, where do they have a need? So we're going to keep, you know, we'll, we'll say fighting the good fight. We want to be the absolute best product that anybody onboards at their brokerage. And we've got an entire team dedicated to this that I said, you know, we're going to continue to expand that so we can help our customers really quantify, do you build it? Do you buy it? Partner with us. You know, we'll, we'll get you the answer a little bit faster. Excellent. And so, yeah, this is this is a slam dunk in my mind. So what conferences will I see you at? I'm assuming every conference where there's freight brokers and 3PLs, are we going to see you guys at it? A hundred percent. So we're very excited. TIA is the next stop on the map for us. Where's that at this year? Orlando is the next one in April, if I'm understanding correct. Yeah, April is the next big one. Our booth size has doubled, which is great. If you recall, our manifest booth was just a 10 by 10 and we were spilling out into the aisles, probably to the detriment of- You were at manifest in force. I saw, and by the way, I know a lot of people from, I knew them, but I hadn't met them in person. I saw Don there. I saw Celine Clayton. I, Charm, I saw- Actually, Sharm tried to join this meeting for some reason. <laughs> so um, I've interviewed him on my podcast, Flexport and uh, P44 alum at Green Screens. And uh, yeah, you guys had you guys were in force at that. And actually, I think I see I saw I saw Celine at the Nelly concert. And I don't know if you were there, but I saw I saw I her sure there. was. I, I wasn't going to miss that. I was actually, if you saw me at that conference, you will be able to be cued into a big press announcement that we will have just before the TIA conference. I think the week before it'll hit, we're going to get something out actually in time for Matt's. Our team's not attending Matt's, but uh, one of our partners we're going to be announcing, which I promise is unlike any partnership that has been done in the pricing space in the past. So very, very excited for that. A little bit of a teaser, but TIA I think is going to be the biggest show for us, not just this year, but to date. Yeah, we've got a majority of the team showing up in full force. I think we're booth 714. So if you're there, please swing by, say hi, enjoy what we'll call our luau environment. We're, we're going to be having a lot of fun with the team at that event. So we're, we're very much looking forward to it. Right. So I'm going to put you on the spot before we, uh, before we wrap this bad boy up. I like to interview smart, interesting folks like you. Who else should I interview? Oh man, that is... That's a really tough question, but also a really good one. <laughs> I think, in, in my humble opinion, I like to be very closely aligned with people I'm currently not doing business with. I, you know, I appreciate everybody who has said yes and welcomed us, you know, not just as a company, but anybody who's given me advice in my career. But I, I think there's there's still some people out there that I want to learn more from and I want to learn more about. You know, and I know. In, in previous talks with you, we, we talked about the other Matt Silver. So certainly he comes <laughs> I interviewed to mind. him. I interviewed him already. <laughs> G- 
good good common name there. You know, I think Jim Becker is also another name that comes to mind. He and I actually we were partnered up at the BGSA golf event back in January, and I had a really really interesting conversation with him. I think he's running a great business at Becker Logistics. I've been watching them grow from the outside, but getting to know him on on a you know, I will reach level, out. I, I know I'm connected to him on LinkedIn, and I actually think I talked to him not on my podcast though. So I will reach out and tell him you're responsible in case he's angry. I think there's there's also <laughs> another interesting thing that comes to mind, not just because it's you know it's part of the the Phoenix freight growth uh, that we have, but you know, there's some Global Trans alum that have started their own brokerages and Cody Graham, Neon Logistics comes to mind because they are shockingly, not, not shockingly because we didn't expect it from him. Cody has always been incredibly ambitious, but their business is growing by leaps and bounds. I just ran into him a couple months ago and he noted that they had to move buildings to acquire more space. What's the name of his company? They are Neon Logistics, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, I will reach out to both Cody and to Jim. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile, a link to Green Screens, and a link to anything else you, your marketing team gives me. I'll put those in the show notes. And I really appreciate you taking the time. I love what you guys are doing over there. It's, uh, it's again, I, I feel like we are really in a place where you don't have a choice. If you are, want to be successful in this space, you're going to have to invest in certain technologies. And this is one of them. I, I I just think it's going to make you faster, better, cheaper. So really appreciate the kind words. You've definitely got a job on our sales team. Anytime you want it, <laughs> you know, you, I I love the confidence. You know, we will prove it. We we will show you how accurate our predictions can be for you, and certainly welcome all the connections. You know, again, if we're not doing business today, either you as a customer or your company as a partner, please let's talk. Find me on any social media. Pound me. Do what you got to do. I'm at all the conferences. I'll always be the one with the beard. He's the green screens, Matt Silver, not the uh, not the arrive, Matt Silver. Exactly. He's the Arizona, not the Chicago. So uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. And I appreciate all you listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.